in, in my case, my restaurant case, yes, because uh, you know uh, I have lots of uh, international guests. So actually, my restaurant is affected that part. But uh, the restaurant in general, like super high-end restaurant, like such as Michelin stars restaurant, uh, the restaurant is packed, so people don't care. I'm Danny Valant, and this is Dirty Linen, the podcast that takes the issues the hospitality industry finds hard to air in public and shakes them all about. On Dirty Linen today, we are traveling to one of the best food cities in the world, one of my favorite places. We are off to Tokyo, Japan. And we are there with Junichi Onuki, who is from the beautiful Isana Sushi Bar. I was fortunate enough to eat with uh, Junichi-san four years ago. I said it was three, but I looked and it was actually four years ago. My goodness, time flies. It's one of the best, best meals of my time in Japan. And uh, Junichi, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you this afternoon. Thank you for talking to us. Oh, you're welcome. So t- tell me where you are right now. What's happening? Uh, uh, I'm in the restaurant right now, and uh, yeah, today is um, I'm just uh, I've finished my preparation. Okay, and what if you, what's in season in Japan at the moment? Uh, in, in the summer, yeah. Yeah, but what's what food is in season? What what seafood is beautiful? What are you enjoying um, preparing in the restaurant at the moment? Uh, okay, at the moment we are uh, the sardine, horse macros, and uh, baby squid and best in the time and uh yeah and also starting of the uh, salmon roll oh beautiful yeah. um yeah i remember my time in asana like how many seats do you have there it's 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 very small but oh we have a yeah we have a eight seat at counter and uh, two tables for for people yeah and I think a lot of the restaurants in Tokyo, a lot of the sushi restaurants are very formal and um, I found Isano, like the food was exquisite, but it's quite an informal, friendly place, would you, would you say? It is, yes. Yeah. So the whole world is going through the coronavirus pandemic. Um, but I just, So I just wanted to hear from you what the pandemic has been like in Japan. How has it been going in Tokyo? Well, the uh, number of the... Um confirmed cases increasing this month. But uh, we can see uh, the situation is slightly different uh, when it started, like like the early April, May, people were more nervous. But now uh, it seems to be more people are more uh, feel less nervous, you know. And uh, I think the, uh, the n- number of infections is increasing, but uh, uh, mostly not serious case, so that's why uh, I can see people are still uh, going out, meeting friends or eating out sometimes. Of course, wearing masks and stuff like that, but uh, it's not, re- you know, very, very serious, looks like. Not, not like other countries. Interesting. So did you have a period of time where the restaurant had to close? Yeah, uh, April to May, but now... Uh, the restriction is uh, now uh, finished and we can start opening the restaurant. But uh, obviously, the restaurant is very quiet. So <laughs> we are opening the restaurant, but uh, we can't really expect the customer to come. Okay. So how many people would you normally have uh, come to the restaurant in, in one evening? Uh, we limited six people a maximum, 
but uh, some some people we get nothing, just uh, you know none. But some some night we get six people, four people, something like that. So even if we open the restaurant, uh, operation is very small, and the restaurant is very you know we do this just a minimum operation at the moment. And I mean, you said that you think people are more confident, but do you think is that because you often rely on uh, international tourists, or is it is it because people aren't don't want to be in uh, in a small place, or what what do you think that it is? Uh, in, in my case, my restaurant case, yes, because uh, you know uh, I have lots of uh, international guests, so actually my restaurant is affected that part. But uh, the restaurant in general, like super high-end restaurant, like such as Michelin Star's restaurant, uh, the restaurant is packed, so people don't care. Really? Yeah, people think that it's the it's kind of a chance to book a famous restaurant. Wow! Before it's you know like a place like Jiro Skiabashi, Mister Jiro's restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to take a reservation, but now actually you can have a table. So some people think it's a chance to to. To visit. That's so interesting. So, so that's the the local people that the, the local people finally the tourists yeah. aren't filling up the restaurants. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and it's, also, it seems to be like more a general restaurant, like such a uh, more uh, like a bar and izakaya style restaurant is is kind of busy. So. You know, so not all type of the restaurant is suffering. Some restaurants are busy, but some restaurants are really quiet. So, it's yeah. interesting because I would have thought that an izakaya would, the people would feel less safe in an izakaya where it's more that pub style dining. It's more crowded. I guess people are, you know, drinking a lot, and I guess people standing up, moving around a bit more. So I would have thought that was, if I had to choose, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the izakaya in general, it's like a chain izakaya is really damaged because uh, they are too big, you know, like, like 100 seat and uh, their rent is massive. So some big izakaya chains closing like a 10 shop. But uh, I mean, the izakaya in a small operation, like Lambai, family business, place like that seems to be very busy. Yeah, okay, interesting. I think in Australia, um, well, in Melbourne, where I am, we've only just started having to wear masks. I guess it's really not part of the Australia, Australian culture. But in Japan, it's people are more used to wearing masks anyway, aren't they? Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's very normal to wear a mask, especially in the winter time. So for us, it's, it's not really you know, difficult to adjust that you know, um, custom. So, yeah. And I think also... Maybe um, it's less less usual for people to to hug and kiss when they greet. Would you say in Japan? Yeah, it's it, it says yeah. We we don't really you know shake hand. We don't really hug. So I don't know it's true or not. But uh, yeah, some scientists say so. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. So what's it like in Tokyo without so many international travellers? Does the city feel very different? It's, yeah, I think they're getting quiet, but uh, still, you know, if you go to the big city like Shinjuku, Shibuya, there's so many people hanging around. So, you know, you don't really feel, you know, we are in danger or something like that. People just, you know, spending a normal life. The mostly shops are open, and uh, yeah, you can basically you can do the uh, 
same as before. Interesting. Well, it's, it gives, gives me hope for our situation where we're definitely not living life as normal here at the moment. Is it? Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's no restaurants are closed here at the moment um, and they're only allowed to do takeaway. Oh, really? Yeah, life is definitely not normal. Yeah, mm. yeah. And the people are n- nervous? Yeah, people are nervous. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't, people are, I think, uh, upset and ground down, and have had a really tough time. So I think everyone's, everyone's, yeah, everyone's a little bit sick of it and wanting the situation to improve. Certainly, certainly in Melbourne, where I am, the rest of Australia is not as bad. Um, but it must be hard for you if you can't fill up the restaurant each night. Is, do you have any assistance from the government to uh, with any financial assistance? Yes, we do some. Uh we uh, took some grant and also uh, we used the uh, government funding support. So it's yeah for us. It's the uh, now it uh, will be okay for for a short while. But uh, you know if it's carry on this situation like another six months and or in a year, maybe it's obviously that's the very fatal for us. So you know at the moment we are okay because. Uh, we took the uh, government support, so yeah, we can't. Obviously, we can't take the uh, profit from the restaurant at the moment. We just uh, now what we are thinking about is the uh, just we carry on the business, not really, you know, making profit. We, we none of us really thinking about making profit just uh, to survive. The way we think, yeah. Yeah, I mean that must be really hard. Like, is it is it demoralizing for you, or are you able to? Um keep a positive mindset yeah at the moment i am quite positive but uh, because of my restaurant is run by myself uh private business so i'm the owner so i can't really i, I can't decide the direction but uh the restaurant run by big company or big chains they are the number is very important the profit is very important so so that's why they close the restaurant because they cannot make any profit and uh, if they keep opening the restaurant just uh, making big deficit so you know that's why big company closed the restaurant in the early time but there's a small business like like mine you know normally uh, as long as i'm okay then okay (laughs) if i can pay the rent then you know we can survive so you know, in, in my case, I talk to my friend chefs. Mostly, uh, people think same way. We, we can't make profit, but uh, as long as we can open the restaurant and uh, some, you know, a few people come to visit your restaurant, like uh, regular customers, then uh, you know we are happy to, you know, serve uh, these regular customers. Wow, I love it. I, I just yeah. yeah. I just keep thinking about the night that we had in the restaurant, me and my two friends sitting up at the counter and it was just so so incredible to watch you um, cut the fish and to shape the rice and just very just very delicate raw dishes and cooked dishes. It's, um, yeah, it, I'd love to learn more about your career and how you, what, what brought you to the place in your life where you opened Isana. Can, mm-hmm. you, can you tell me a little bit about how you started uh, becoming a sushi chef? Yeah, well, I started my career as a Japanese, general Japanese cuisine chef, not, not sushi chef. So I learned uh, all techniques 
and the uh, uh, skills about Japanese cuisine, such as tempura, grilled dish, and some uh, appetizers, stuff like that. But uh, obviously, sushi is the part of uh, Japanese cuisine. Um, uh, after I worked in England, uh, especially people love sushi in outside of Japan, and uh, mostly the restaurant I worked, they asked me to do only sushi, not other cuisine. Okay. So that's the uh, uh, one of the reasons. When I'm working in abroad, I did only sushi. Then, then I realized, you know, um, you know, uh, after I came back to Japan, I wanted to learn sushi again in a proper way. Of, of, of course, I, I did make a sushi before, but uh, I wanted to more. I wanted to know more about sushi, so that's the uh, start of the, uh, you know, the making this style. Especially like if you learn um, entire cooking, it's, it's still okay. But uh, I have a you know desire to uh, learn some specific area of the cuisine. So it was sushi for me. Sushi is the one of the uh, simplest uh, cuisine in Japan, but very very deep and very sophisticated cuisine. Then. Um, if you go to the many sushi restaurants, sushi, sushi is very simple, just a slice of a fish and rice. But uh, all restaurants have different, you know, um, philosophies. Taste is different and the shape of sushi is different. So that's the uh, really, you know, it, it was so attractive for me mm. to know that word. Yeah. So did you find somebody, like a mentor, somebody that could teach you to help you go deep into sushi? No, not really. Actually, yeah, I worked some sushi restaurant and I learned uh, many techniques and skills from my chef. But, uh, you know, like, um, in my case, I, I learned a lot from, by myself as well. So, like, in my generation... Um, many people just, you know, now we are lucky enough to see YouTube and stuff like that. And, you know, if you also, um, when I'm training, I go to many other such restaurants to, to see how chef works. And then, then, you know, we can guess what they're doing. And the more, you know, a more, I mean, um, practical way. And all the time, maybe you work for the uh, master's restaurant 10, 20 years because there's no information. So you only only the way you learn the skill is you have to go to the restaurant and work for the chef for a long time. But the, normally chef don't teach you. You just uh, look and steal the technique and skills. But now, you know, there's so many information and if you're uh, enthusiastic, you go to the other restaurant talk to chef and uh, you you check the internet there's so many information before was the uh, even chef teachers how to do this they don't teach us the uh, theories because they don't know the theory in the generation to generation they just uh, 
look what the senior chef do and steal the technique. So that's why they can't really explain in a logical way. But the chef in, in now, uh, now today, they learn cooking in a logical way. So I think the much, much faster than before to take the uh, same skill and knowledge. Uh, so interesting. So give me an yeah. example of something that you learnt. Give me an example of this, this theory or this, logical, this logic about sushi that, that you've learnt. Okay. Uh, like, like the, uh, for instance, uh, ageing the fish. You know, like normally that all the time, um, you know, senior chefs just uh, teach us how to do that. But uh, there's the uh, uh, theories behind the how, uh, you know, the amino acid increase in the fish itself. And uh, uh, this, uh, I don't know how to explain, but uh, there's the always uh, scientific uh, things as background of the cooking. So let's talk more about ageing fish because I think it's something that's mm. quite unfamiliar to a lot of yeah. Australian sushi lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about what you might do at Isana with, with ageing fish and, and how you think about it, just, I guess, with the, the culture behind it but also the, the science? Yeah. Obviously, the, uh, the buying fresh fish is the uh, essential, even if we do the ageing the fish. We need a very, very fresh fish. But uh, when you catch the fish from the sea, fish is really, uh, the muscle is very, you know, active. Uh, how can I say? It's very tough and uh, not really tasty. So the way the fish manga kill the fish is very important as well. They cut the spine first, take off the nerve system and take off the old breath. So that process is very important to keep the fish very fresh for a long time. If you, you don't do that process, fish starts smell within 24 hours. So normally that I buy the fish with that process. Obviously that's the uh, more, more work to do. So the price of fish is more expensive than normal fish, but uh, we're expecting that quality of fish. So after, you know, do that process, fish should stay maybe uh, easily for a week, not smelly fishy at all. Then uh, in my experience, um, after 24 hours, maybe one or two days, uh, fish start accumulating the amino acid, getting more delicious and the meat become softer. So that's the time to using for sushi. But the super fresh fish, just right after they kill. The uh, fresh is very tough, but uh, also Japanese people love that freshness. So that kind of fish we serve as a sashimi. No, I, I don't use it for sushi, but uh, super fresh fish is very, very ideal for sashimi. Sashimi is the dish we enjoy just the fish itself, not with rice. But when it comes to sushi, we have to think about the uh, eat with uh, sushi rice. So when you put the sushi in your mouth, we have to think about it disappear, the sushi and the fish disappear at the same time. But if you use this super fresh fish, rice disappear fast and the fish remains in your mouth. So this is not ideal 
sushi. Oh, wow. I totally, yeah, it's... <laughs> It's so um, it's so transporting to hear you talk about it. I can completely feel that happening in my mouth as you talk about <laughs> the fish and the rice disappearing at the same time. Mm. Absolutely! Oh my goodness! It's like something I really something really clicked for me when you were explaining it. Yeah, but the, even in Japan, that's the uh, I would say the Edo style, Tokyo style. But uh, if you go to the uh, south, north Hokkaido, Kyushu, many chefs think the sushi should be super fresh. So some good restaurant in Hokkaido, if you go to the place like that, they use the uh, super fresh fish. So it means fish is really tough. And uh, for me, it's, it's not really, you know, matching with the rice. But that's the uh, chef's philosophy. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm following the Tokyo style. <laughs> okay. And so can you yeah. describe your style beyond the fact that it's Tokyo style? And I suppose also it's, you're saying it's, it's contemporary, it's YouTube generation style sushi. But how else, how else could you describe what you, what you do at Asana? Uh, well, normally the Tokyo style sushi is the, uh, uh, we do something on, on the fish, not using fish itself. Normally, you know, we do aging or salted vinegar and slightly simmered. So that's the uh, start of uh, how to preserve the fish. In uh, old time, maybe 100 years ago, there is no refrigerator. So that time when people prepare sushi, they don't, they do something on the fish. Otherwise, fish last very fast. So so that's the, that's the origin of uh, Edo style, Edomai style. So many high-end sushi restaurants in Tokyo following that way. But uh, still, we need super fresh fish. Then we do something on it. So that's the very, you know, uh, important to us. But uh, again, outside of Tokyo, many chefs just using super fresh fish and do nothing. And uh, they, their philosophy is, fish is very good, so you don't need to do anything with that. But, uh, you know, chef in Tokyo, our philosophy is, no, 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 we have to do something on it to do to match with our sushi rice. So, yeah, some, something like that. Okay. And, and tell, me, tell me how you think about rice. Rice is very important. And uh, normally when we buy the rice uh, for white rice, uh, sticky rice, not sushi rice, we prefer to uh, rice contain a lot of gluten. Um, it means you can feel the uh, sweetness when you bite the rice. But when it comes to sushi rice, many sushi chefs avoid using that rice because uh, rice becomes too sticky because the sushi rice normally we mix with uh, sushi vinegar. So we try to use drier rice. So selecting rice is one of the most important part for sushi chef. So I since opening, I tried more than 10 different rice. Now I found my ideal one, but uh, it's always developing. Sometimes, uh, you know, um, when I feel to try something else, maybe try a little bit and mix with other rice. If I like it, maybe I change to new new one. But uh, that, that's the difference is very, very small. Maybe customer cannot realize it's, it's only for, you know, Small, small changes, but uh, yeah, we. <laughs> yeah. But uh, many sushi chefs have uh, their own philosophy about sushi rice. Some some chef loves 
you know, like a big, bigger grain. I like smaller grain, so something like that. Okay. And what about the age of the rice? Like, do you think about rice being fresh or old? Yeah, we use the uh, normally sushi restaurant sushi chef use the uh, uh, old rice. So the, in the harvest season is like like the autumn. But uh, normally we keep uh, we ask them to keep the rice in the storage for for a year, and uh, we use the rice from last year. Is that for the flavor, for the flavor, or how it cooks? Uh, no, no. Why do you? It do means that? the uh, dryer. So that's very important. The first harvest is uh, contain lots of uh, uh, moistures, which is very good. If you if you eat rice itself, it's the most delicious time. But uh, again, for the sushi rice, you mix with vinegar. So that's why we need a dryer rice. So, so that's why we um, keep it for for a year. The way that different sushi chefs slice the fish is so important. And so I'm just wondering how you decide to make your cuts on the, of the fish. Um, yeah, how do you, how do you, do you look at it and the fish says, cut me here, cut me here? Or is it uh, like, it doesn't depend on yeah, yeah, how yeah, much you've yeah. aged it or, yeah, how do you think about that? Oh, that's the, uh, we all learn the basic technique, how to fillet the fish. This is the more or less same to, everybody else, how to uh, fillet the fish and how to chop the vegetable. Uh, so we, we learn from generation to generation. But uh, again, if you uh, look at the theory behind, there's always scientific uh, proof. So like, like the, uh, when we slice the fish, normally we cut it against the tissues, then it doesn't break the shape of the meat. So, but if you cut the fish uh, wrong side of its uh, tissue, then fish break very easily. And uh, also, a Japanese knife has the uh, single blade, not like a Western knife. Western knives have a twin blade. So it's designed to chopping meat and uh, release the bone, but the uh, Japanese knife is very thin and hard and very fragile. So it's not designed to cut the meat or bones. So, and also Japanese knife is very long. So it means uh, knife doesn't give the too much stress to the ingredients. So right. it's very important to cut the ingredients with uh, less power. So that's why, why we need a long length of knife. Wow. But I think, yep. how, do you, how do you decide how thick to cut each slice of fish? Uh, that's the, uh, we think about the texture when we eat the sushi. White fish, is, white fish has more fiber than uh, red meat fish, like a tuna. So we cut white fish thinner than red fish, red meat fish. Okay, so and <laughs> in my sushi lesson that you're very very kindly giving me, what's the, what's one more important thing that I need to know? I think the before anything else, we we have to know the ingredients and uh, the what is the uh, um, the taste of the ingredients. So that's very important. You know, um, cooking is very you know. 
important, but、uh, if you don't know the ingredients, sometimes you spoil the flavor of the ingredients, right? If you do too much on it, maybe you just spoil the power of ingredients. So we normally taught,、uh, like Western cooking, I don't know, it might be long, but、uh, like French cooking is the、uh, like a adding concept. Like deliciousness, put another deliciousness on it. So to make it delicious, delicious, delicious. But、uh, Japanese cuisine is slightly different. We're reducing. You know, if you want to,、uh, for instance,、uh, if you want to use the、uh, one eggplant, aubergine, then、um, if you put the、uh, gravy sauce on it, you can feel only gravy sauce. You know, it's.、Um, Destroyed flavor of aubergine. So, in that case, we don't put the、uh, thick sauce on it. So, just enhance the flavor of、uh, natural flavor, uh, flavor of、uh, aubergine. So, that's the concept of Japanese cuisine. So, we always try to make as simple as possible. In order to do that, you have to know the ingredients. Real taste of ingredients. And you said earlier that the sushi is very. Is very deep. Do you think that this is, the, this is where it, it gets really deep? It's just it's really that knowing of the ingredients? Yeah, because、uh, if, you know, some, some people ask about recipes. Recipe doesn't make you know, anything because、uh, we are dealing with、uh, nature products.、So、nature products change s all the time. If you put the same you know, recipe, but、uh, next day the fish is different. So, so that's why. You know, we have to,、uh, you know, always I t-、uh, tell the younger chef, you have to be curious about the nature and the fish itself, not, you know, not recipes. <laughs> of course, recipe is important, but recipe changing all the time. And,、uh, the, you know,、uh, then again, if you have the、uh, more, uh, Scientific curiosity, I, I would say, then you know, you, you always think, why, why? Then you th- start thinking about yourself. Then that's the very important. So, that's the uh, uh, again, back to this the first conversation. Now, the many young Michelin star chefs they don't have much experience in a famous restaurant, but they are really, you know. Uh, curious about why it's delicious, why this texture is different. Then they start searching themselves. Then they run themselves. So that's the very important point of view to, to learn cooking. If you go to the cooking school, may, maybe they teach you the theories and the recipes. But、uh, you know, if you don't know the ingredients and if you are not curious about the ingredients, maybe, you know. The food is going to be、uh, really you know, boring. So, <laughs> Wow, Junichi san,、um, oh. I am even more desperate to come back to Tokyo now and <laughs> to come to Isana, sit <laughs>、yeah. at the counter, and、um, yeah, just think about all the things that you've shared with us today.、Uh, I'm really grateful to you for speaking to us here in Australia. Oh,、um, my pleasure, my pleasure. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving us a little taste of Tokyo today. It's just、oh, absolutely、yeah. an honor to, to talk、mm. to you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, my pleasure. Really nice to talk to you. And I'm really looking forward to you know, the, 
this craziness, you know, stop and uh, our life getting normal and uh, we will see you again. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. <laughs>